0: it's congregations and it's chapter and wish you a very happy Christmas. Happiness is a really important part of Christmas and one of the questions is have we said happy Christmas to strangers yet and why don't we do so now? Why don't you actually just speak to someone who's around about you who you don't know and wish them happy Christmas? Now if you'd be so kind as to tell the person beside you A one word summary, just a one word, what is the one thing that makes you happy at Christmas? Okay, salvation, family, thank you, singing, that's wonderful from that distance, it was very impressive, love, food, I thought thought it'd never come. There's lots of things to enjoy at Christmas because Christmas is the season of goodwill, Christmas is the season of happiness, it's right that we call it happiness, it's that time, our theme this year is about the romance and the reality of Christmas. And there's lots on the romance of the care. I don't mean romance by falling in love, though that can happen at Christmas time too, but romance in terms of the escapism of it, the loveliness of it, the kind of nostalgic feelings we have about our childhood and the happy times we had at Christmas and the, the hope that we have for the future, the pleasure. It's, it's a time when we we just put aside the harsh realities of life, of work, of the grind, of, of, and, and enjoy ourselves for a while. It's that season of good news, great joy, peace and goodwill. Micah was a prophet in the Old Testament. And Micah, uh, was, the one who, Micah was one who spoke of the coming time of the Prince of Peace when war would be done away with. If you look inside your sheet, on the first inside cover here, the Bible readings for tonight, and the first reading comes from Micah. Ellie, can you read to us from Micah chapter 5?
1: Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, In the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And he shall be their peace.
0: This child that is to be born is to be the Prince of Peace. And overcome the warfare. But the promise is all centred on Bethlehem. We sang about, oh come all you faithful to Bethlehem. Bethlehem was a small country town about nine kilometres south of, of Jerusalem, but actually quite a windy road to get there because Bethlehem is set in the Judean hills, a lovely little place of obscurity. There's only two reasons to remember Bethlehem. One, King David was born there. Two, Jesus was born there. Nothing else ever happened to Bethlehem as far as I can understand, but that, those two events actually are actually the most important events of history that you'll have. It's a romantic kind of name, Bethlehem, because Christmas is such a romantic time. For a few days, you see, we escape our troubles, view the world through our rose-coloured glasses, and dream nostalgically of better times and lovely things as we catch up with family and as we eat. The romance is not just dreaming of a white Christmas or St. Nicholas and the Jingle Bells. It's not even kind of the, the European winter scene with trees and, and baubles and lights on it and lights around our building and the like. We romanticise everything about Christmas. We even romanticise the birth of Jesus. You, you see it in the nativity scenes. Mary is always in blue. Nowhere in the Bible does it say Mary wore blue. There's no reason for thinking Mary wore blue, but in every picture... Mary is always seen as drawn in blue. And there's the handsome Joseph. He had as much chances of being handsome as anyone else. He was average. There's nothing about him that we know about. And there are clean shepherds. Have you ever seen a clean shepherd? I mean, they're out in the night, minding their sheep. They come hurtling into Bethlehem and they call by the local laundromat to get cleaned up so that in future times they'll always be seen as clean, looking on there. And there's the lovely little farmyard kind of uh, animals, they're kind of docile and looking very knowingly into the crib and there's angels above and then there's a star above and then there's the three kings with their gifts who actually didn't make it to the stable because when we read the text as we'll read in a little while they turned up at a house sometime later and the little boys that King Herod killed were all under the age of two it happened afterwards it didn't happen on the night the shepherds and the, and the kings most likely never met it, We've romanticised the story. Well, the choir's going to sing about it. We're going to sing, they're going to sing for us, ding-dong merrily on high. If we turn to the second of our readings now in Matthew chapter 1, let's listen to how Matthew describes the reality of the birth of
2: Jesus. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph...
0: Well, let's sing of that night in the very lovely, telling uh, uh, carol, Silent Night. Shall we stand and sing it together? Thank you. Be seated, please. Well, you've shown that you can sing loudly and you've shown that you can sing beautifully. But that lovely, peaceful feel that comes across that carol of a beautiful Christmas, for many people, Christmas is not like that. It's dreadful. It's lonely, it's tumultuous, it's a pain, it's a suffering. They've lost a relative, they're in a war zone, they're hungry. We always must remember those who are in need. Remember to care for them and help for them and one of the greatest helps we can give to them is to pray. And so Naomi and Andrew are going to lead us in prayer for the people in need. But we need to find out what do we want them to be praying for? So, Chris is here and Mickey is up there. He's going to walk right down the front of this aisle, Mickey. He's a man in a handsome suit, and and we we have James over there and Andrew over there. So, if you've got anything you would like us to be praying about that you think we should pray for at Christmas, then raise it. Where raise your hand. They'll come over to you, and we'll get some things that. Andrew and Naomi will then lead us in prayer. So what are the things we need to be praying for at Christmas? Who are the people? What are the troubles that we need to be praying for? Chris? Uh, for
3: healing for those who suffer at this time.
0: For healing for those who suffer at this time. Yes, just raise your hands. Show Mickey, that Mickey. That, uh, uh, that's good man, yes. Yep. Uh, praying for the homeless. The homeless, yes. In a country as rich as Australia, in a city as rich as Sydney... There are so many people without home, and there are so many actually on the streets as well. Yes, that's right. Someone wants to pray for England's cricket team. (laughs) No, there are some things that are beyond uh, redempt... No, that's not right, is it? No. No, we pray for England's cricket team that they may learn from the Australians how to be gentlemen. Now, that's a miracle, to put it mildly.
2: Syria and the Philippines. Sorry. Sorry. Syria and the Philippines.
0: and the Philippines. The Philippines. Well, the Philippines, terrible storms that we still... They've got to be cleaning up there. Syria, we really must pray for, friends. The United Nations said this week that if things continue as they are, this time next year, they will be feeding 6 million people in Syria, 4 million outside of the refugees who have left 2 million internal refugees, 6 million more than Sydney. Syria's only got 22 million people. It is a major, one of the great major disasters of our time is right on our doorstep in Syria at the moment. So pray for Syria and the Philippines, yes. Chris?
3: Uh, praying for those who aren't able to be with their families.
0: Yes, uh, it's such a family time, Christmas, and not to be with your family is so sad.
2: People who are ill, especially young children.
0: Yes, not a good time to be ill, is it? And so how are we going? What else? James.
2: Pray for those people who don't know Jesus. Those people who. Who don't know Jesus. Who
0: don't know Jesus. What a great tragedy and sadness. The wonderful time to know Jesus. They don't know him. Fancy missing out Jesus at Christmas time. Mickey.
2: For troops in Afghanistan.
0: The troops overseas especially Afghanistan. Our troops serving elsewhere. There's enough for you to go on isn't Naomi Andrew. As we finish, we'll finish with the Lord's Prayer, which will come up on the screens for us, so we can join together with the Lord's Prayer at the end that Andrew will be leading. Hang on, there's one more, Andy. Bloodshed in Egypt. Oh, the bloodshed in Egypt, yes. Pray for Christians who get caught between these things. Egypt is in a mess, to put it mildly, but the minority groups are the Christians. In all these Middle Eastern and North African fights and wars, christians are being persecuted and excluded a little town like bethlehem used to be a christian town now there's few christians living in it and in egypt the coptic christians are being terribly persecuted now from both sides they're in a very hard situation so we need to pray for christians especially but for the nation egypt itself why don't we lead in prayer
4: let's pray Heavenly Father, your word word tells us that creation is groaning, longing to be liberated from its bondage to decay. And we see the evidence of this in each violent storm, earthquake and bushfire that wreaks havoc in our world. Please have mercy on those suffering in the aftermath of such disasters, especially those in the Philippines. Please provide for their needs, comfort the grieving and give hope to the despairing. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
3: Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful gift of family and friends and the joy of celebrating with them at Christmas. But we know that there are many who are lonely and sad this Christmas. For those whose family and friends are far away and for those who are grieving the death of a loved one, please comfort them and enable them to draw near to you this Christmas. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
4: Mighty God, we ask that you will bring an end to the conflicts raging in this world, especially the violence in Syria and Egypt. In your mercy, please stop the violence and bring peace and stability. Please comfort all of those who are suffering as a result of these wars. Please provide for those who have fled their homes to escape the violence and persecution in the Middle East and help them to put their hope in you through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
3: Lord of the heavenly hosts, we thank you for the men and women who are serving in our armed forces all over the world and especially in Afghanistan. And for the police, firefighters and emergency services who are giving up their time with family to service at Christmas. Please keep them safe and enable them to do their work well through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
4: Heavenly Father, we live in such a prosperous society, but we know that there are many people in our city who struggle to live from day to day. We pray for those who find themselves on the streets this Christmas. Please protect them and grant them a way off the streets. Please guide and heal them, we pray, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
3: God of comfort, you are not remote from our suffering but you have chosen to become one of us in the person of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the comfort that gives us, knowing that you know what it is like to live this life, to feel the pains of this life, to suffer in this life. And yet, Father, you have triumphed over sickness and illness and death in the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that for those who are suffering in this life, that that hope may give them the comfort that they seek. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
4: Sovereign Lord, without the prompting of your Holy Spirit, no one can turn to you. And without hearing your word, no one can respond to your call. Send your Holy Spirit to move your people in every nation to proclaim your word. May those who seek you with all diligence be brought into your kingdom through faith in Christ. Amen.
3: Please join with us...
0: As we sing our next carol, we're going to be taking up our Christmas collection for the work of the gospel here in the cathedral. Uh, Christmas is a time that, of course, involves us in more expenses than usual, so we do appreciate your generosity. If you've arrived a little late, then you didn't get an opportunity to fill in your card and to drop it in, the, to, to give it in, so now is an opportunity as well. So as the bags come around to collect money, you can also drop these cards in Uh, if you've filled them in especially that would be very helpful to us and the pencils. If you haven't got a pencil by all means keep it as a Christmas present but if you've got one we could really value it coming back we've still got a couple more of these gatherings to to, uh, provide pencils for. So the uh, the ushers as you can see will be standing and bringing around our collection bags. Now as we sing this carol slightly different we three kings of Orient are we're going to get three of the kings up here three of the choir men anyway, to be uh, singing solos. So verse 2, verse 3, verse 4, there'll be a solo. So the congregation, we're all going to sing verse 1, verse 5, and the chorus every time. You watch Ross, he'll bring us in and show us what to be doing, you've just got to follow Ross. The wise men following the star, we're following Ross. right? All very clear about this, we sing verse 1, all the choruses, and verse 5, and there'll be three solos occurring during it, and it'll make sense when you see it. It's a lovely carol, but it's part of the romance. We don't know the names of the three wise men, the three kings. In fact, we know very little about them. As one preacher, a former archbishop of this city, said, they weren't three, they weren't kings, and they weren't from the Orient, but apart from that, it's a very nice carol. We need some romance in our life. We need fireworks and frivolous fun and fiction and fantasy. I don't have much time for the people who write every year into the Herald or into the newspapers complaining about the money we spend on fireworks at the New Year's Eve festival. We need to have fireworks. We need to have fun. The world is a grim, dire place. And without some escape, without some holiday, without some break, We will break, we can't cope with the agonies of this world all the time. We need the romance of Christmas, but we also need the reality. All romance and no facing reality is folly. We've got to be able to face the reality as well as the romance. For what we read in Matthew's Gospel is of an unmarried mother falsely accused of adultery by her betrothed facing divorce and shame. That's an extraordinary reading, isn't it? That's not what people expect at Christmas in a Christmas reading. There is one of the two words most hated in our English language today. The word that we hate the most is cancer. That always makes all of us cringe and wince. The second word we hate, divorce. It makes us cringe and makes us wince right there in the middle of the passage about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ is this screaming word, divorce. For here is the real problem, the reality of the world. And then there's mention of the Magi. The, well, Magi is what you say when you don't want to say it. They're astrologers, they're magicians. People who the Old Testament forbade any contact with them non-israelites they weren't jewish who following a star were came to a middle eastern tyrant the great king king herod the great great tyrant he was we read about it in our third reading that is here matthew chapter 2 and alison and talara going to read to us this passage from matthew chapter 2
5: now after jesus was born in bethlehem of judea Then was fulfilled
6: what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel, weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more.
0: We know quite a bit about King Herod. He's known outside of the Bible. And he's known as a maniac, a ruthless tyrant quite paranoid he had at least 10 wives 10 that we know of two of whom marianne the first and marianne the second he had a particular penchant for marrying women called marianne and giving them numbers but those two he had executed he executed all manner of people whoever was supposed to in any way oppose him he had them executed he had three of his sons executed one of them from his deathbed He organised for him to be executed because he thought he was still trying to overthrow him. The man was dying and he was still executing members of his own family. The Emperor Augustus said of Herod, I would rather be one of Herod's pigs than one of his sons. This was an awful man, an evil man. And the story that we have before us, the account of the killing of the little boys in Bethlehem, is just the kind of thing that this paranoid tyrant would do in order to hang on to power. So here we have Jesus coming into our world. The world of divorce, the world of tyrants, the world of genocide, the world of infanticide. Jesus becomes a refugee. He flees out of the way of this man and joins the millions of people who have fled as refugees he down to to egypt he came into the reality of our world with unmarried mothers and divorce paranoid middle eastern tyrants killing their own people killing even their own little children in order to stay in power and refugees fleeing in desperation to try and find some home some safety even in a far distant country, my friends, everything I've just said is describing the newspapers of the last year, isn't it? 2013. And when any page, any day that you care to go back and pick up your newspaper, you will have found that list that I just talked about. And the terrible news is, as best I can see, it's going to be exactly the same in 2014. It's the nature of the world we live in. And Jesus came, not as a conqueror, he came as a victim of this world sharing in the sufferings and the pains and the troubles and the difficulties of this world. Listen, as the choir sings for us, a 14th century carol, which is a lament put in the mouth of one of the mothers of the little boys of Bethlehem. That kind of Christmas reality is haunting, isn't it? Which Christmas do you want? The Christmas of romance? the Christmas of reality. I want both. Romance is good for us. We need to escape. We can't bear the continuous horrors of this world. We need our holiday. We need our break. We need our escape. We need our fun. We need to be able to hope for the future and rejoice at seeing our family and eating and drinking and making merry, we need it. But the reality of Christmas is better still. For Jesus came into the harshest of realities and suffered our harshest reality in order to deal with our real problems. Notice his two names, you see them there in the second of the Bible readings there in verse 23 of Matthew 1. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophets. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call him Emmanuel, which is God with us. We haven't been abandoned by God. God is with us. God came into our world, into our suffering, into our pain, into our conflicts. He came into the very heart of it. He didn't come into the comfortable zone He came into our harsh reality. And God is with us. Doesn't matter how desperate, despairing, difficult your circumstance of life is. Remember Jesus. God is with us. Emmanuel, he's always with us. And secondly, notice his other name back there in verse 21. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus, Joshua is the Hebrew name, means Saviour, the Lord saves and that's why he was to be called the Saviour because he came into the world to save us from our sins. He came into the world at Christmas, he left the world at Easter but he came into the world in order to go to Easter, in order to die on the cross, he was born to die, that was his mission was to die, not his own death but our death we are born and we will die he was born in order to die we die our sins he died our sins and took the wrath of God upon himself for in his death on the cross and by his resurrection he died for our sins and therefore conquered our greatest enemies Satan, death, sin. That is, Jesus didn't avoid the difficulties of life or the immorality of our hearts. He doesn't brush these things under the carpet as if they don't exist or pretend they don't exist in a kind of false optimistic hedonism. Well, it'll be all right, she'll be apples, it'll sort itself out somewhere down the track. Nor is he, at the other end, consumed by the kind of drunken despair of the hopelessness of this world Jesus came into the world of pain and took upon himself the worst experiences in order to free us and liberate us from our sinfulness and from the judgment of God upon us you can see it in the prayer on the back if you just look at the back of the sheets that we have here There's an article there for you to read at home, so please take it home with you and read it. Don't read it now, children, it's for later. That in the middle of the article, it's about an article about this prayer, and in the middle of this article is a prayer. If you just look at that prayer for a moment, it has three paragraphs to it, and the first one tells us of our sinfulness. It accepts it. I know I'm not worthy to be accepted by you. I need forgiveness. Do you need forgiveness? I know I do, and I know from the Bible, you do too. The problem is not just that there are some evil people out there somewhere, the problem is that we're all evil people in here now. I need forgiveness. Thank you, says the second paragraph, thank you God for sending your son to die for me, that I may be forgiven, and thank you that he rose from the dead to give me new life. And so the prayer of the prayer is the third paragraph, please forgive me and change me that I may live as Jesus, my ruler. Now, before I lead us in this prayer, let's take a moment to think about it as we listen to our last anthem from the choir, one that's very romantic, but it's also a reality. For it declares Jesus as Lord And calls upon us to treat him as Lord by falling on our knees to worship him. The romance is good. We need escapism. Romance is the happy Christmas message that will get you through to New Year's. Then you'll have New Year's Eve. Then you'll be able to make New Year's resolutions and they'll carry you through until about January the 2nd. But reality is better than that. For the reality of Jesus is that we don't have escapism, we have salvation. Salvation is the joyful Christian message which can keep us going, not just for this week, not just for New Year's, not just for next year, not just for this lifetime, but can keep us going for all of eternity. That is the salvation we are speaking of in Jesus. So turn back again to that prayer on the back of that outline. And you might like to pray it in the quietness of your own soul as you hear me praying it out loud. So let's pray. Dear God, I know I'm not worthy to be accepted by you. I don't deserve your gift of eternal life. I am guilty of rebelling against you and ignoring you and I need forgiveness. Thank you for sending your son to die for me that I may be forgiven. Thank you that he rose from the dead to give me new life. Please, Forgive me and change me that I may live with Jesus as my ruler. Amen. And if that is your prayer, you will be forgiven and you will be changed. How do I know that? Because God has sent His one and only Son into the world to bring us forgiveness and to bring us change. That forgiveness is a contract from God which He has written in blood in the blood of his only begotten son. That's how we know that we are forgiven. But that Jesus who died for us is not dead. He has risen from the dead and pours his spirit into our hearts to give us a new life and a new start. This is the basic Christmas prayer because it's the basic Christian prayer. If it's your prayer, it will be answered in the affirmative. And if it's your prayer for the first time tonight, well then this Christmas is not so much for you anyway about the birth of Jesus. This Christmas, 2013, is about your birth, your spiritual birth, your rebirth, your being born again. And if it's for your first time, then make sure you tell a Christian about it, that you actually are praying that prayer so that we can help you with it. Or you may like to stay, go up the far corner, up into the, that corner of the cathedral. There's a little chapel up there, and one of our staff will be there, be more than happy to talk to you, even on this midnight hour. Our final carol, the great carol of John Wesley of the Wesleys. This final carol actually understands about this being born again. The last verse is speaks of Jesus, that He was born, that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to bring them, to give them second birth. Let's stand and sing, hark, the herald angels sing. Now that sounds like a happy Christmas, doesn't it? And I hope you all have a very happy day tomorrow, or is it now today? And that you have a great time with family and friends, enjoying the happiness of Christmas and enjoying the reality of it. May the God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit bless you and your families this Christmas and for all eternity. Amen.